Welcome to the sixth episode of Outsiders SheBiz. Outsiders is a podcast that is focused on featuring innovative women, queer culture, and conversation. My name is Julia Curtis Burns, and I am your host. And tonight I am joined by. Hi, I'm, I'm Shannon Clark. I'm an attorney and an entrepreneur. Awesome. So, Shannon, because I'm a teacher at heart, I always like to talk about terms and definitions because we're going to be throwing them around. Okay. Shannon is nervous, but she has no reason to be nervous. <laughs> you can't see her right now, but she's nervous. She and I have been having conversations, and so she knows me. I don't, there's no reason for her to be nervous. Anyway, so how do you identify? What terms do you feel comfortable with just for the conversation? As far as pronouns? Yeah. Or, or she. And then. Are you a queer woman? Like oh, to... I see. I see. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, well, do you feel comfortable? Yeah, I, absolutely. Okay. I'm, I'm very proud of my um, my sexuality. I'm a I'm a queer woman, and uh, I I also identify as a lesbian. It, it really mm. depends. I think um, queer is just it's less syllables, easy <laughs> easier to say. <laughs> Okay, yeah. so you use both like interchangeably. Absolutely. Um, some people, I, I think I, I I say queer sometimes, and after I see a confused look on on people's faces, I'll say oh lesbian, and they're like oh yeah, of course, totally understand. <laughs> or if I'm dealing with guys and they don't, they're like queer, so mm, bisexual. I'm like mm, no, no lesbian. Mm. So um, that's interesting. So when you say queer, people think it's. Because you're a bisexual woman or something well, like that. Well, queer to me is it's it's a very inclusive word, and I like that it's inclusive um, because it really treats everyone who identifies as queer as one family, mm. um, and that's cool. I, um, but for some people, you need to really let them know that you're not interested in their sex, <laughs> <laughs> and you're not going to give them your number. Mm. So yeah, that's that's how the lesbian comes into play. Okay. So lesbian is like the second thing that you use to kind of like, if people are unsure, it helps you helps you to like that or fine. or depends. Um, you know, if I'm asked a question, are you a lesbian? I'm like, yes, I'm a lesbian. Mm. Um, I, I use interchangeably, and um, I see probably lesbian more as a term that's associated with old school, <laughs> old oh, school okay. um, uh, uh, women. Uh, but either is fine. Mm-hmm. I actually feel, well, I like queer, and I've used it because I think it's inclusive, like you said, but I also, I like the term gay. Gay for, um, women? for women? Yeah, even though I know that it's typically associated with men, mm-hmm. I like the term gay because I feel like anywhere I go, all over the world, if I say I'm gay, it's something that's recognized. I don't know, I mean, I think it's... Okay. The term that is yeah. more understood. Yeah. Um, Definitely. But for being more open, I like the term queer. So, yeah. Cool. So you have done amazing things in entrepreneurship, right? You're being too kind. Uh, come on. <laughs> um, and so part of this podcast is really sharing stories of successes and things that you've learned along the way um, because all of it is very valuable to share. So Pete, tell us a little bit about your ventures in entrepreneurship. Sure. Uh, So um, currently I I operate um, a 
a law practice, um, an immigration and business law practice that works uh, mostly with startups and creative professionals. Um, I also end up doing some family immigration matters. And on the pro bono docket I have, there it's all kind of family-based uh, immigration. Wait, wait, wait. Pro bono doc. Docket. So, docket. So, so can you just explain, if, if anybody doesn't understand sure, sure, sure. all those terms, just so that we all are on the same page? Sure. Um, so pro bono um, uh, is means uh, offering your legal services for free. Mm. And I, I do that solely for immigration clients, um, oftentimes uh, people that don't speak English well. Um, if they have a job, they may not be getting paid minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely try when I can to dedicate my time to uh, those cases. And if I, if I don't have time, I, I refer to clinics that can take mm-hmm. on those cases. Okay. Cases. So why was it important to you to, to practice immigration law? Oh, um, my, my grandmother immigrated to the U.S. with my mother and two of my aunts um, in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And uh, where? Oh, sorry, from, from the Bahamas Islands, from mm-hmm. Nassau, Bahamas. And uh, I, to me... It has made living in this country all the more meaningful to under, to know that my grandmother came over here and she, she worked as a maid and mm-hmm. a caretaker for a middle-class white family. Um, and that my mother, who's no longer here on this earth, but that she, she, she worked as a computer programmer um, and, uh, uh, and, and for me to, to be an attorney, it just, it just, it's so meaningful to kind of see that dream realized and to understand um, possibly why my grandmother decided to migrate from the Bahamas to the U.S. And I, I imagine, I, you know, I never got to meet her, but I imagine it's to for the, the American dream mm-hmm. um, and to create a better life for her, her children and her prodigy. So, yeah, immigration was um, definitely a heartfelt move. Um, it was also a smart business move, uh, having a practice that can kind of bring in those clients um, and bring in that type of revenue consistently. Mm-hmm. So yeah. mm-hmm. It's really important work that you're doing. And oh, it's nice you. that you do pro bono work, too, because True. sometimes the fees can be really costly and then people True. you know, have a lot of challenges with that, so that's awesome. Yeah, if you can imagine um, someone who doesn't speak English having to traverse through the legal mm. process. I mean, for someone who speaks English, yeah, it's, like, it's so confusing. Someone who speaks so, English, yes, and, and even has a high school or maybe even college. Yeah. It, it's, it's very much confusing. So if you can imagine, I, um, you know, one of my clients, um, she's uh, illiterate in, in Spanish, and she doesn't speak English. So mm. it's, it's really helping people like that try to get through it and, and you know it absolutely um, requires private attorneys to to dedicate their time to that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's really awesome um, so in addition to that mm-hmm. right so you started your practice yes. of your own firm mm-hmm. but you also have done other or had other businesses in the past sure right? sure Can you tell so, us about those? sure so I would say my business um, <laughs> <laughs> my my start in, in kind of working in businesses started when I uh, 
moved to Jacksonville, Florida. Um, and I worked for uh, a, somewhat of a family business. And I did that for, for, for some time. Um, and then from there, I transitioned to, um, I was kind of, I was kind of, had no business um, experience prior, didn't really think of entrepreneurship, but it was only after that moment that I came up with this uh, idea. It was an idea to create some type of um, kind of online writer, writing publishing uh, company, and it never realized Okay. I never, I never even took it to the uh, business plan stage. But the idea is that, that that I realized that that was the first time I actually started thinking. The wheels turned about how can I find value, and how can I trans translate that value into uh, into income. Mm. So that was the start, and then I think um, from there, it wasn't until law school my first summer in law school where I got a clerkship for a judge mm -hmm. in Washington, DC and it wasn't, it was not paid. So, um, I luckily I had a friend who she let me stay with her rent free mm. for the summer, which was very helpful. That's why it's important to build your network. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it takes a village. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, uh, but I still had to worry about uh, living costs, mm -hmm. transportation costs, food costs, all these other things. So I'm like, you know, I had to get my little hustle on. So that was, that was the first time where I'm like, man, I got to find a way. Um, being in law school, I mean, the only, like, skill I had in my hands was um, hosting. So I hosted before. So I, I went and I got a hosting job um, in, in the area. Um, and then that, of course, isn't a lot of money. Um, and so to supplement that, I created this. Um, I said, I'm going to put an ad on Craigslist about teaching English and helping with um, pronunciations and hmm. stuff like that. And I also said, you know, I can review. If someone has a resume, I'm happy to review resumes. I'm like, well, let me look at assess my skills and see how that can add value to someone else. And so I... Um, <clears throat> So I said, well, I, I read and I write. I do that well. Um, and at that time, I thought I had a strong command of English and I could do so much. <laughs> you so, do. You well, I mean, it. yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I um, picked up um, four clients uh, and that uh, consistently taught them over time through lessons. Um, and then that helped me survive that summer. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, I started looking, when I went back to law school, I realized that there was a need um, for making t-shirts um, and, 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 and um, being able to provide a t because it was, I went to law school in Vermont Law School, and it's okay. on this hamlet of like 2,000 people. Um, Whoa. Yeah, so, so you can, you, <laughs> there's a variety of services yeah. that you probably can provide that, that it doesn't exist. So, yeah, so then I went from there, and I kind of created this T-shirt making thing. Um, wait a minute, wait. You start, You created a T-shirt making thing? Like, well, you did a screen? You had, like, a silk screen? Yeah, no, it was a silk screen. Like, what was that all it about? It was a heat press. So somehow what I got... That? Um, it's this big, bulky machine that goes up to 400 degrees, and what you do is you, you go through a separate company. You get the design. Mm-hmm. 
And then you go to another company and you get the t-shirts in bulk and wholesale. And then you can go, you or someone else, but you, you put the labor and you're able to basically put that design on top of the shirt. And the heat is so strong that it melts the design within the shirt. And it's just it's just the way you you see shirts. It melts the design within the shirt. In, in the fabric oh, of the shirt so okay. that it's it's deeply in there. Mm-hmm. You can wash it a hundred times and it won't fade at all. And that's how shirts are normally made? I don't um, know. Yeah, so oh, there okay. are the variety of ways of making shirts. Um, but one one way that you see that is from the sh- many of the shirts that you buy in uh, retail stores is by using heat to affix the design onto the shirt mm-hmm. um, and then they sell it. And it's, and, and it's so reasonable. That's so I mean, cool that the cost, well, the, well, don't mm-hmm. ask, I don't know how it came, the idea came, but I, I said, I'm, I'm going to be a t-shirt company. And I, um, uh, so I, I did that. And um, talk about learning from failures. Um, so I went, well, that went good. I got the first, like, contract uh, with one club. That was good. And I did another one. Um, and that is where there was an error. And um, I had read wrong. I, I read wrong the email mm. um, for the some something in the font. So anyway, I basically messed up the order. Oh, no. <laughs> After like you did all of the shirts already. Yeah, I did all the shirts. I messed up the order. Um, and uh, let's see how how did that go down? <laughs> and then they still used it. Um, they used some of it, and they wanted a refund. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll give you a refund, but give me back the unused thing. I was like, didn't want. But I, in hindsight, I just would have given back. I would let them, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You learn. I've I learned that mm-hmm. uh, uh, you definitely, uh, you know, uh, you're very liberal with customers, and um, and that's helped me tremendously um, in my um, business experience um, after that. So yeah, that was that. And then, um, what and was the name of your t-shirt company? Was it like Shannon's Press? Wordsmith. Oh, wordsmith. Nice. I actually, and I envisioned at the time, I envisioned that I wanted to have um, variety of different words and fonts and phrases and stuff like that. And and um, yeah, it was it was a fun idea. Um, and then you know, life changes, and I I took a lot of what I learned from that experience, mm-hmm. particularly when it came to you know how much do you cost for for manufacturing, um, how much. Basically, from the product, from from its the concept to the to the end product, actually delivering it the, yeah. the the product to the client, how much is that, and making sure that makes an important amount, and make, making sure even though you get a profit, I mean, if you yeah you know even if you get a profit of a couple grand, but you worked a uh, hundred hours on it, you know, it's just you you have to really. Um, Make sure that um, everything, every aspect of uh, manufacturing the product is accounted for, and that by the end of the day, you're not, you know, uh, making yourself work hard for for very little. So, um, which what that's a I mean, that's a very common thing for entrepreneurs. You know, you work yourself to the bone, and then your profit is very little, right. if any, sometimes with right. some projects, you know. Right. And so, it is smart to be mindful of the full process sometimes we don't account for everything that we're going to need and then it's like oh wait 
yeah. forgot about that price, you know, or that right. fee. And, and then, yeah. Yeah, you're right. And, and I think the start to even understanding that is to be very detailed mm-hmm. uh, in tracking the numbers. So I think at first I had an idea. I'm like, well, I'm only spending this amount. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely getting a profit from the sale of the shirt. I was looking at the profit margins. Um, but I wasn't um, factoring in how much of that time I was putting in. Or even if I were to hire someone else, how much profit I can make off of of that that employment. Yeah, right. right. So it was so, just you for the whole business. So yeah, it was it was me and then I realized that uh, it could grow to scale, um, but it wasn't something I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. What I loved about it is that I was I was creating value. I love creating value mm-hmm. and I was uh, uh, providing a value and a service for, for someone else. Um, and that's what I love, but that can translate into so many different mm-hmm. businesses, mm-hmm. particularly businesses I am much more passionate about yeah. than than t-shirts. No no offense to people that, that make t-shirts for a living. I'm sure yeah, because I love t-shirts. Yeah, t-shirts are, are awesome. wonderful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what does it mean to you to create value? Like, what does that look like from a business perspective for your customer and sure. for you? Creating value um, means that Someone interacting with you, particularly we're doing a business transaction, mm-hmm. that they walk away with much more than what they give you in dollar amount. Mm, that's deep. Yeah, and I, I think that should be the driving force of every business and every relationship is giving something more value than what they give you. And it's usually a reciprocal process. They give you more value than what you give them. Mm. So I, I like that idea. So to me, that's that's one aspect of, of um, you know, creating or, or um, you know, creating a value for someone. Um, another thing, too, is also finding needs of, of being able to um, give someone a thing or a service that is meaningful to them. Mm-hmm. That's to me. That's a very um, important thing. That 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 moves my heart. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's really powerful. And that's I think you know when I was thinking about creating initiative space, there was a need for it. Yeah, I really exactly. Felt that women needed a space because there weren't yes. that many. And know. doesn't it? So so here's here's a great example, right? You create initiative space. Um, it adds so much value for them. Right, but it also adds a tremendous value for you to oh. see women coming and utilizing that awesome. that 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 space and that concept and that you know, organization. So yeah, I mean, you see, it's it's powerful. This is this is how it is, and we um, and even you know um, uh, with a, a model like a business model like yours or another type of service type company, even the you know the twenty or thirty bucks you pay per month is nothing compared to the value you, you receive from it. So that's, the to me, that's... you may Right. Or, that's what business is about. That's what drives this economy. Mm. Um, and then that's that's what I uh, hope to fulfill in people that I work with me, mm. making sure that they leave feeling that they got a bang for their buck. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So have you had a mentor along the way, someone that has helped? Because, I mean... You're very bold in the sense that when I was in college or even in grad school, I wasn't thinking that way. I wasn't an entrepreneur. Like, though I had uh, a dad who 
has always had that spirit. Mm -hmm. I just didn't think of myself that way. Now it makes sense to me because of the way my brain works. Mm -hmm. But I kind of wish that along the way I had a mentor that was like, hey, Julia, you know, like, maybe you should look into X, Y, and Z. But it seems like you did that on your own as a result of life or because of life. But did you have other people helping you or guiding you or giving advice? No. um, In fact, it's funny because I've been actively, well, more passively, (laughs) but um, it's somewhat actively looking for a mentor, Mm. an official mentor. We'd love to have one. Um, But it, it, uh, no, I would say probably books have been as close Mm. to a mentor to me. Um, Reading about how other people did it, reading about how other people used their circumstances to benefit, um, benefit them and to propel them where what trajectory they want to go into. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What is your favorite book? I mean, I know that's tough. Yeah. Okay, fine. What are three books that you think every entrepreneur should read? Oh, man. Okay. Every entrepreneur And she read. has this notebook that she just pulled out. It's called The Book of Success. <laughs> right? That's what you call it? Yeah, it's called The could Book you, of Could you tell us why you call it that and when you started using this, this book? Thanks. Uh, yeah, I, I um, started using this book. Um, I call it the book of success because it literally um, is filled with notes of, uh, to me, various concepts and thoughts that are propelling me in the direction I'm going. And that will definitely um, be conducive to my, my success. My, my cur- it's been conducive to my current success and, and my continued success. So is this the same book you've been carrying over years or is no. this like something you write this in is... every day you have a ritual what no. how does it work so sure um this is a fairly new uh concept that i i i thought of um and uh it's probably four months old mm. and um and i have a variety of things so at the very beginning i have a list of words here that i either use infrequently or don't know the meaning of hmm and so I, every time I hear something, if I'm listening to like the Wall Street Journal podcast or I'm reading a book and I see something I'm like, hmm, what exactly does this mean? Or a word that you thought you knew, but then you realize you don't really, <laughs> yes. or you don't really have the nuanced mm-hmm. understanding of the word. So yeah, I write it down and this is going to get filled up, you know, more. Oh, so it's like in sections. Is in sections. Oh, okay. So yeah, one is that bunch of words that you know I want to increase my vocabulary. That's that's good. So you write out the word and the definition, and then you look over it whenever. Right. It's like your reference. Yeah. If okay. I ever feel bored and don't have anything to do, I'm like, okay, let me go read some books. Oh. Um, and then I have, I do have some to do lists, or I would say a have to list. I got this from a book where they're like, have to. Yeah. Instead of like to do, you put things that you have to do, um, and things that you just have to get around to. I think I got that from the. Seven habits of highly mm. successful, uh, highly effective people, or something. Like seven that. habits of highly effective. Very people. good book. That's so that's one book. number one. The that seven is, habits yes. of highly, highly effective, effective people. people. Okay. That is one book. Um, and then let me. And then um, I also have business ideas on here, or um, towards the back is the section for business ideas. No, actually, um, here is more um, business ideas. But back here, I have a couple things. I have a mastermind group and my council. So my counsel is like, and I got this from the book um, by Di- uh, <laughs> I'm I'm a Napoleon Hill. I believe it was Napoleon Hill. 
Napoleon Hill. Yeah, he's this like writer from the 1930s or so. And he wrote a he talked about having people he has on his council, his imaginary mm. council of like people that may be dead, but you kind of encapsulate a a character of them. And then that character becomes kind of like your Jiminy Cricket. Um, mm. so for instance on my cou- council I have uh, Andrew Carnegie, Abraham Lincoln, Benjamin Franklin, Frederick Douglass, Madam C.J. Walker, Harriet Tubman. Love that. You know, and these are based on all their, I read about all their lives. I read about, and they've just been so inspiring. Um, and each of them bring to me a set of fresh ideas, a set of character. Abraham Lincoln was known um, for treating people as equals, for, you know, I think a couple accounts. Uh, one from Andrew Carnegie saying that Andrew Carnegie was at that time a um, a telegraph operator mm. for Lincoln during the war, and he made a comment about how in his in Andrew Carnegie's autobiography he made a comment about how Abraham Lincoln treated him with the same level of respect as he did his top general, mm. and so I think that's that's so important. A lot of times that doesn't happen in business or in various other situations. So anyway. So yeah, that and then your master- wait, 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 wait. So you have a date next to each person's name. So why do you have that? Sure, that's based on um, after I read about them, read their books. I wrote down when I decided to make them oh. my part of my council. Got it. So it, um, it, it, does it remind you of that space that you were in? That date? Does it? It it it, it does. It, it's just you know, it's just like you know. Um, whether it takes a month later or maybe three years later to add another person. It's, it's um, not about the time. It's about yeah. The... It's about, it's just nice to know, yeah, right, when I was in a certain space. Um, and surely as I evolve as a human being or as a business owner, um, I'll find other people who I don't find now to be yeah. uh, instructive and, and part of this group. So these are people that may be like sort of ancestors, ancestors, if you will, like, or people who've lived in the past on your council. It's not people from your life now. No, the people from my life now, they're, they're part of my mastermind group. Okay. Um, and those are people that I share with them my innermost desires, as crazy as they may be, and I know that they're going to support me 100%. And they share with you too, so it's like no, a, it's no, like, it's not. Oh, not. I mean, not everyone has this. I have it because I have, I have some type of you know big ideas, um, and I you know want to make sure I have people um, that can support me. But I don't tell everyone because you may tell everyone and you may get some pushback mm-hmm. from people not seeing the vision you see. And I think particularly when you're starting, you're very fragile. Mm. So I always like to make sure that I create an environment that's completely 100% positive. Um, so that's what that's for. That is so important because as an entrepreneur, you're essentially, you know, this is, there are all these ideas that come from your mind. And sometimes you can only envision what that specific idea or project is and it, it's like it comes a little bit from your soul. So when you say it out loud to someone else and it's not received well, it can shatter yeah, it can. the enthusiasm that you have for it because it's like, oh, okay, I guess it's not that great. <laughs> but it can be really painful. Yeah. So I think creating a mastermind group is fabulous because you 
you have this circle that you trust mm -hmm. that you know will give you I mean it's good to get constructive criticism mm -hmm. but feeling supported is really important because it's not easy to come up with ideas and then share them absolutely you know? <laughs> it's like very scary and it's, it's something I'm very sensitive about but right. I try to be I try to be mindful of who I share my ideas with and and keep a circle of positive people around me because if I don't there's so much negative energy out there that it can affect you. Precisely. Yeah. And you know, negative energy just affects you, mm. period. And so even more so in that fragile time, you don't need that mm -hmm. in your life. And um, so this concept is based on Richard Kurosaki. Um, I'm maybe butchering his last name, but he wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, yes. Yeah. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Is that a second book that, um, that yeah, I would recommend? definitely I would definitely recommend okay. that. That's inspiring. Um, and it's it's been um, quite fruitful for me. Um, and then the last book, let's see. Well, the last, last book I would recommend is... And also in, in the book Success, I have a bunch of poems that I want to memorize. Mm. Um, just because Wait, I so it, is this a poem that you want to memorize? You wrote oh, it I've, out I've first. already memorized it, yeah. So I, I, the I, Bohemian. I, yeah, by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. Yes. It's, a, it's a very meaningful poem to me. Um, but let's see. Uh, another one that is, oh, you know what? I would say for, for business, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, for business. Or for life. If you... Okay, for business, I would say think, think and grow rich. Think and grow rich. Yes. And who is the author of that? Um, that is... Dale, um, I think it's Dale, no, Napoleon Hill. I think that's Napoleon Hill. I may have oh, mentioned, okay. so Napoleon Hill has that, and he also has another one called 16 Laws of Success. Hmm. And he's just such an insightful guy. In fact, a, a friend of mine um, who's been living on this earth a lot longer than I have told me that everyone else has just regurgitated what Napoleon Hill has um, written, about? written about in the 30s. Um, so he's 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 a really good author for um, for thinking and acting on your thoughts mm. and 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 thinking in ways in which a business person should think. That is, that you know, not sixteen habits of success. No, sixteen laws of success. Sixteen laws of success. Think yeah. and grow rich. And rich um, dad, poor dad. Rich dad, poor dad. Those three are. And the 17 Habits of Success. Oh, oh yes. we I forgot. The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Yeah, I'm messing them all up. So, you, four. we did say them in the podcast, and I'll try to put them in the notes sure. as well. Sure. Awesome. Yeah. So, aside from being an entrepreneur, you also have amazing style. Oh, thank how you. How would you... How does that work with, A, your professional presence and also your identity? Does it? Um, well, I work a lot with um, creative professionals. Mm. In other words, artists. Um, so I, unless I'm in court, I'm not wearing a suit. I'm usually wearing something that looks trendy, um, stylish. It also really matches my mood. Um, Wait, trendy, stylish. What does that mean to you? Um... Well, not only something that looks good, but kind of fits into whatever environment I'm in. Um, so, 
How about this? <laughs> when I have to tell a client how much they're paying me per hour, I try to look the part. <laughs> can we can we say that? Okay. And uh, or you know when I'm you know it's 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 something that's relaxed, something that I wear um, black a lot. That's my power color. Mm. Something that makes me feel confident. Black is your power color. Yeah. Do we have? Are there different power colors, or is this like this is this is a term that you've given Shannon that you've given to yourself? Like black. When I put it on, I feel fierce. Yes, I've given me to too. myself. Could be a national power color. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, black is beautiful, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. indeed, indeed. But um, yeah, black is your power color. Black is my power color. So um, that, or I think. For a while, I was wearing a lot of browns and kind of like Oxford shoes and had the little preppy look. You know, it depends. But anyway, I, as long as I feel confident, I feel attractive, mm. and um, I feel like I am uh, worth my client's time and money, uh, and even outside of business, um, I don't know, just how I feel is wanting to look good. Mm-hmm. And have you always had this confidence and style is this something that no this is very new york mm-hmm. um before i lived i moved to new york two years ago and um before before then i don't recall having, <laughs> i don't recall having this style it's either new york or age i don't know um so this is something that you've learned from being in new york or that you've embraced i embrace particularly being in new york New okay. York, to me, what you wear is your billboard before you even open your mouth. Mm. So you want to make sure you wear very good shoes. Mm-hmm. Now I sound like I'm being superficial. But no, you're not. I mean, very good shoes, a good soul. Um, it depends. It depends what. It really depends on what crowd you're trying to get into, or what, what the type of people you want to surround yourself with. How about that? Mm-hmm. You want to surround yourself with a certain type of people. Um, that reflects who you are, then chances are you want to wear something that fits into that environment. So in my case, I like the lavish life. <laughs> when, <laughs> you know when. Yes. Yeah, you know when 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 it's uh when it's. Yeah, I like just like the lavish life. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I uh. My style accentuates that, and uh, it, it, re- it reflects that. Mm. So you're, when you say lavish life, that means like you, you like a certain sort of group of people that you like to hang out. You like to go to certain bars. You like to... Um, not necessarily a group of people. It's not, I'm not at all a group, type group of people um, I want to hang out with. Um, but it is about the environment. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a... a a dive bar type person I'm more of a nice lounge um a nice restaurant mm-hmm. a nice mm-hmm. bar uh, or uh, you know jazz yeah stuff mm-hmm. nice views of life you know yeah. um but uh, and speaking as, uh, about the people you hang around with, like, I am very sensitive to that mm-hmm. um and I don't uh I don't discriminate based on socioeconomic status but I do discriminate based on um thinking positivity I will not have negative people uh in my in my sphere of uh of um, friends or or company yeah I'm not tolerate that 
I think that that is very important and that that actually that requires a level of maturity to be able to do that you know um, I've had to cut people out of my life mm-hmm. not that I want to do that but I think sometimes people can be toxic their energy can be negative and so it's important to be mindful mm-hmm. of treating yourself right and making sure that you're surrounding yourself with positive people yeah that's awesome. absolutely so if there was any advice that you could give to someone who is interested in starting their own business or they want to do the entrepreneurial thing, what would you What recommend? would I say? Um, <laughs> okay. They have an idea they want to go forward. I say... Um, there, it's funny because so Napoleon Hill talks about um, the six fears that you should uh, abandon mm-hmm. uh, because they will thwart your ability to be successful. Um, I'm not sure I remember all six, but I remember, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say what I, what I know. One is the fear of poverty. It may keep you in a job um, that you don't particularly like because you want the security. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is the fear of losing someone. Um, another one is the fear of ill health, almost the fear of death, um, the fear of criticism. That's been my main thing, mm-hmm. um, is what will people say? What will people think? Um, now I'm just like, screw it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, there is one more that I've forgotten, but, um, so allow yourself to get over those types of fears and particularly fear in general. Um, I, I read from um, Pama Chaldron. Oh, she's a nun, a Buddhist nun. Um, she wrote this book. It's a really great book called uh, Things Fall Apart. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, she wrote about facing your fears because they're always never as bad as you think they are. And you can, you know, probably assess this by kind of looking at something you're fearful about that actually happened and you look back and you're like, oh, that wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. So if you have any fear, um, trepidation, just go for it. Um, um, and, and, but before you go for it, make sure you do have a solid plan. Mm-hmm. I think particularly for business, I, what I tell all my clients, I work with a lot of um, businesses and, and um, clients that are um, doing formation of businesses and such. And I, Try to instill in that they need to, they can easily start a corporation. That's fine. So easy, so simple um, uh, to do um, compared to the planning that comes before you should even do it. And that is writing a business plan, making sure your financials are set out. So my thing is make, make sure that your business plan is solid. There are several resources, particularly in New York. You can go to New York Public Library has a business plan competition every year. That's a a really uh, great uh, way. And also their business library has a plethora of resources. Um, So, yeah. So I would just say those two. Oh, no, three. I have have a third one. But the first one, uh, uh, take the risk. The second one, have a plan. And the third one is to just be benevolent. Mm. Be kind in everything you do. And to do more work and produce more value than what you're paid for. 
do that and you will be a successful person. You find the value, you're good to your customers, you do more than what you're paid to do, no doubt you will be successful. Those are awesome. Thank yeah, you. no problem. So I consider you an innovator, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to interview you and talk to you tonight. What does being an innovator or being innovative mean to you? Um, creating. Mm. Creating is funny. I just um, been reading this book recently. It talked about creating versus competing, mm. and that if you focus on creating, just an abundance will come to you. Um, but yeah, being an innovator means creating and not necessarily stuff that's new, but um, your your version of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So finding being an innovator also means finding value because you're not going to create something that nobody needs. You're you know so um, I don't even think that's possible in the sense of uh, you know everything that's created it's because there's a need to it. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's finding value and 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 creating. And so in terms of creating, I know that you recently created your own real estate company. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I I um, I would say probably what's well, starting now. I'm in the planning process, and I'm going to, need to open up a, a, a real estate brokerage. Um, the first office will be based in Harlem. Um, and I'm looking, I was looking at how can I, if I provide the same level of service as other brokerages, right? Um, how can I differentiate myself, uh, from them? And also how can I create a business that's in line with who I am and who I am as someone I, I consider myself, uh, a humanist. I, I love mm. humanity. I'm very intrigued by humanity. I love hearing people's narratives, and I love supporting humanity whenever I can. And the overall wealth of, of, of people. So um, with that said, you know, I decided that for every close transaction, I'm going to give um, a, a donation to a local nonprofit mm. in Harlem or a, a, a local nonprofit wherever um, the um, real estate office will be located. So seeing that as a way that here's real estate that has billions of dollars in revenue, um, uh, worldwide trillions of dollars in revenue. And if we can just take a slice of that money and give it to organizations that don't fare well within our capitalist system, um, then I think that that is a really great way of, of, of being a human. It's a great way of living. Um, so that's what I want to do is not only to create value in um, the lives of the agents who would work for me or work for the for the for the real estate brokerage, but also creating uh, value um, to the clients uh, we service who are either looking to rent, sell, or lease um, space, and then helping the community mm-hmm. because. That's another thing. It's uh, with the brokerage. It's, it's making sure that um, there maintains a sense of community and a mm. sense of connectedness. Mm. And I think particularly that's why people love Harlem is because it's not like living in Wall Street or financial district where there's no bodegas. There's there's 
No sense okay, of community. Vegas, love it. Yeah. yeah, there's no one you you see every day that you say, "Hey, Sam, how, how's how's your life?" But when you're living in a place like Harlem, there is that sense of community. And I think, you know, as much changes as it's going through, if we can find a way to make people even more connected uh, to the organizations, uh, the nonprofits in that community, um, then I, I, would, I would love to see that. I would love to see that, too. Because my concern with real estate is always who has access to it, who sure. has access to a neighborhood community. So I think it's very valuable and mindful of you to want to incorporate the community into the work that you do. Absolutely. Right? Because often what we see is gentrification happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, your, your, your family who's grown up in Harlem for generations can no longer afford it. True. And True. the Harlem that, that we want to preserve can't, it's not sustainable. So that's really important work that you're doing. That's awesome. Well, thank you. So before we close, is there a quote or a, she's looking at her book. Yeah. Is there a quote or is there a mantra or something that you live by or that, that helps? Because you, you're doing a lot of cool things that helps Thank motivate you. you. Yes, there is. Um, uh, this quote is one of, the, one of the quotes that helped motivate me. It's by Thomas Edison, who says, I am not discouraged by failure because each failure is a step to, to success. And I think that is absolutely great. The acumen I have now for what I'm doing would not have come if I didn't mess up with the t-shirt company thing <laughs> or I hadn't, you know, made stumbles uh, upon my, my way to, um, to this point. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm, I, I think that's a really great quote to, mm-hmm. to know. Yes. Someone told me recently, I don't know, or maybe I don't want to, take someone's quote but I heard recently the quote you either win or you learn yes right yes so there's no real failure True. it's about wow that was really successful or I learned so much from that and that's how I'm starting to in, to understand my life and yeah. so that's really powerful yeah. well thank you so much for this oh, awesome conversation I mean, it was beautiful to hear your you. story and I appreciate you taking the time to tell us about it um, thank you. Thanks for providing this outlet for um, for women of color and queer space people. It's 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 wonderful. Oh, thank you. Um, take care of yourself. Be you, and just be awesome. And we'll be back with an episode next week. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye.